Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Bullyproof. In today's episode, we are going to look at how to lead people when the going gets tough. How do you lead your team when everyone, including you, are exhausted? Being an authentic leader has never been more vital. We live in a time where leaders must step up to create safe and inclusive spaces for all, where everyone can speak up, say how they truly feel and ask for help. And I'm delighted to welcome Craig Preston as my guest today. Craig is an executive performance coach. Working with senior execs and their teams, he improves performance by helping change behaviour and culture. Following many years as an officer in the British Army, Craig worked in the commercial and consulting sectors as a leader and coach with Coca-Cola, Aon and as MD of the Inspirational Development Group. Further projects with world-class performers in professional sport means Craig has a unique blend of experience in a high-performance environment. We live in a constantly connected world, yet people have never felt more disconnected. You're listening to Bullyproof, a podcast to shine a spotlight on workplace bullying, today's silent epidemic. Research indicates that 75% of workers will either be a target, witness bullying, or both. Each episode will explore how targets can bullyproof themselves and how leaders and HR can bullyproof their organizations. It's time to find your roar. Now, here's your host, Marilise de Villiers. Craig, I'm so delighted to have you with me today. So what, does, what gets Craig out of bed in the morning? Um, it's been interesting. I, I, yeah, I almost go back to um, a time of, of, of leaving school, Marilise, if I'm, if, if I'm honest, wondering what on earth to do with my life um, and having failed to get the grades to go to Loughborough um, to uh, play sport um, I uh, decided to join um, the army my father was in the army and it seemed to me to be a really good idea uh, in terms of getting outdoors and playing sport and traveling and so on but um, I think what I found in the end drove me and still drives me is being part of a group of people uh, in a team, trying to achieve something together, mm. um, getting into an environment where uh, people can celebrate their own and each other's successes and feed off that. Um, mm. And I think, funnily enough, that sense of mutual support and um, mutual respect and, and sharing mutual goals has been really important over the last year or so going through the, uh, uh, the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what is the general vibe out there? You know, what what are you hearing from leaders um, at the moment with the current climate? I think um, the, the, the theme tends to be um, uh, around, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a second, but the theme tends to be that, um, you know, everybody is now exhausted and everybody now is ready to move um, into uh, a recovery phase, a reorganizing phase, a renewal phase, and, and, and so on. We are drained. Mm-hmm. And that, as you pointed out in your introduction, it's not just everybody, the team members, it's the leadership as well. And we often forget that, that you know, we expect our leaders to be a certain, uh, behaving in a certain way, but we often forget that they're actually 
hacker themselves. And uh, so I think people are now through the phase of we've got to adjust, we've got to cope, we've got to um, find different ways of doing things now and so on. And there was a bit of energy to do that to one where, you know, come on, let's, 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 let's get out of this. Yeah. Um, which is which is an interesting phase to be, but does provide us with um, with some really unique opportunities going forward. Absolutely, and I mean that's where we pick up on the on the subject of personal resilience. You know, so we're all, you know, stretched to the max, and I think you know at breaking point. So how do we kind of get ourselves back to that sort of healthy place where we can really um, we can really cope on a day to day basis with the the challenges that are being thrown thrown at us? Um, and I want to pick up on an article which you actually shared with me um, not so long ago, which is all around how how to lead when your team is exhausted and you are too. Um, and, and it's really interesting because in there, they distinguish between two different types of resilience. Um, I just wanted you to share a little bit more about that. Yeah. No, and, and, and funny enough, when I saw that article myself, and I think you're providing a link of, of this, but when I saw that article um, the first time, I, I, I could, it was one of those ones where you really go, I completely get that I completely that's exactly how I'm feeling and that's some really useful stuff yes it was in the Harvard Business Review and it talks um and first of all it recognizes that we've gone through a um a phase of being resilient and, and funny enough resilience is is only as good as your resilience is only as good as how much you've built that resilience before you need to be resilient so yeah. in some cases people run out of resilience quite quickly Others, it takes takes a bit longer. Um, but the, the, the danger with with, with uh, draining your resilience is that it's a bit like if you're watering your garden, okay? You can keep a little bit of water every day and it keeps it green during a dry phase. But be careful because if you don't look after it and it gets uh, brown and it dies, it takes an awful lot more water to get it back to being green again. So you need to keep it hydrated. You need to keep yourself hydrated and yourself feeling re resilient. Once it's gone, it's gone. And then you you go into this phase that the article talks about, about um, psychological stamina. And psychological stamina is a deeper thing than being resilient because all that's gone now. You're now digging into your reserves. Yes. And you can only do that in a sort of slice-by-slice slice way um, and start balancing this sort of hope for the future with the reality of just being able to take the next step yeah just being able to think about today maybe this week but not losing there's some other examples i might share in a minute about this balance of the short term and the long term but it's this deeper sense of stamina now i am exhausted and i i, I need to keep going um rather than I've got to find ways just to keep, you know, ticking over nicely because all that's gone. And I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by this concept of uh, psychological stamina, physical and psychological. I was going to add the word physical because I think that's so important because the, the body and the mind work, work in tandem, right? But so what, is, what does that look like? You know, when you, you said you've got to sort of have those reserves and build up those reserves. And as a, as a high-performance coach, you know, what, what does that look like uh, practically for someone? Well, I think there's, um, 
one being conscious of it, first of all, that I, I, I'm, I'm, I've got to be prepared for the future. So you've got to balance, and the article talks about about the, this balance between urgency and importance. So, yeah, I've got a firefight. I've got to deal with today's stuff today. But also, I've got a little bit of time in the day, and not always, you don't always have that time in the day. What can I be doing to prepare myself for a little bit further along the line, rather than because I'm exhausted, I'm just going to sit back and now relax for a bit. The trouble is during the working day, if you do that, your your sense of being able to pick up again and keep going starts to, starts to drain away. And you need that time at the end of the day, when you have got some time, to genuinely recover. And there is no doubt about it that you know, the research in the high performance arena in, in, in elite sport and something now has identified the biggest leaps in terms of performance have been around the role of recovery, the role of recovery. And having that quality time to recover is really important, which means that when you're at work, stay at work, but balance dealing with the firefighting with sorting yourself out for the future as well and, and um, preparing for what comes um, com- comes next. So that urgency versus importance is, uh, importance is a um, a crucial picture. The other one, which I really like and we've discussed, is this balance between compassion and containment. So, as a leader, and this is a crucial piece about about, about the leadership, is the, the compassionate piece is something that we hear a lot about these days about leaders being vulnerable mm-hmm. and, and honest and authentic, is a word you've used already. That that we've got to be able to share how we're feeling. And genuinely care for other people, and yes. we're finding it tough. We tell people we're finding it tough. Um, if, uh, if if we've got to show some care for people who are struggling as well, we do. But, and here's the really important thing about leading in difficult times. At the end of the day, we get paid to lead, and leaders also have to be strong. So there's a, there's a balance between being vulnerable and weak. And what we don't need from, from our leaders is for the leaders to collapse because we, we want to follow them. We want to give the leaders will give us a sense of security, of safety, of, um, of, of a future and of hope. And if the leader can't do that, then that's got a really damaging effect on, on, on the people. So being self-conscious and aware about, funnily enough, in, in these days, how I look on this screen right now as a leader. Am I projecting the image that my people who are watching need right now to feel galvanized? And there's a, um, you know, we go back to what we hear about politicians and so on. There's, there's, a, there's a need to provide hope without, which is where you've got to be careful, of being unrealistic, but also not pretending that it's easy. So if it's going to be tough, we need to say it's going to be tough. Um, and this is what we're going to be doing to try and cope through this. And, um, you know, strap yourselves in. We're, we're, we're going to have to look after each other going through the, the next. So there's that's the second bit, which I think is really, really important, that balance of being compassionate. But at the end of the day, you know, I've got to be strong here. Yes. And then the final piece of it, which I think is really important, is this business about energising uh, people and trying to pick people up when they are exhausted. And your peloton bike hasn't been touched for ages and, you haven't been for the run and you're having another drink you said you weren't going to have and yet you're suddenly starting to abandon all the stuff you were doing before. Um, there's, there's a, if, you build, if you're building the team, the, the really useful thing to think about is how can we celebrate the little stuff, the, the little little things? And that's 
Let's find things to pick ourselves up. Let's find things to celebrate on a day-to-day basis. And let's find ourselves a sense of purpose on a day-to-day basis. Um, There's a a really good case study, not in this article, around uh, Shackleton. If you get a chance, recommended reading Shackleton's Way. Obviously, explorer, um, early part of the 20th century, uh, got stuck in the um, Antarctic for for two years with his boat. Um, And one of the things he, he used to do with his crew to keep them feeling that they were doing something worthwhile every day was have a routine, have a clear routine. Find something for people to do each day, which has a beginning, a middle, and an end, um, and then play and, and have a sense of, of fun as well. But give people a structure and a routine. And in our own world, going through this, we need to make sure we don't morph into a just sort of a jelly of, 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 of life, which has no structure and no sense of done it, completed it, feeling good, move on to the next thing, celebrate it, talk to more people and so on. So those three sectors are things that I think that leaders have got to really focus on at the moment. Yeah, I, I love that. So um, what I heard in this sort of the first bit was around this really importance um, of recovery. And what jumped to my mind when you talked about that was elite performance requires elite recovery. So if yeah. you kind of look at it from a, a sport, sporting world and professional athletes, you know, the amount of time that they recover and I think, you know, the sleep um, in their world, for example, is the, the, the most important aspect of recovery. Um, I've heard lots of athletes say that, actually, the importance yeah. of sleep. And then that balance of containment and compassion. So I think that's really key. So as a leader, I still have to show up. I still have to lead my people. But I'm also a human being. And I um, I love the, the sort of um, positioning of that because I do think that, as leaders, you know, we we are there to show our people the way, but it's also we figure it out together. Um, and it's 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 about creating those environments. And as you say, just the fact that you show up every day on LinkedIn, um, on I mean Zoom, <laughs> or whatever platform you're using, think about how you're showing up. Um, I do a lot of work around um, you know peak states, and I, I challenge people to think about how they show up. Um, yeah. On Zoom, because this is important, your body language and your energy is reflected, um, even though you're working virtually. And then the final piece around baby steps, you know, I, again, when you said that, the thing that jumped to mind for me was around the little things are everything. So, yeah, absolutely love that. And I think there's some fantastic tips in there and about the routine. I just want to pick up on the routine as well, because we are creatures of habits and we do thrive on a on a regular, consistent routine. And and also, I would say winning winning your days in the mornings, having a really good morning routine. What are your thoughts on that? No, no, I I think, um, yeah, I'm planning the day. I mean, it's what, what the current situation has done is just reinforced a number of the um, the life messages and, and, and lessons that have been known for a long time. So I think, you know, this business, the, 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 um, the US Admiral recently who, who talked about uh, making your bed every morning as, as being a, um, a great way to live your life because you're doing something meaningful, worthwhile, you're giving yourself a sense of discipline, you're giving a, a structure to the day. We are, as you say, creatures of, um, of habit and, and routine and are our best when we do that. And we also um, 
uh, I think have to recognize that for something to feel um, worthwhile, for something to feel that, that give you a sense of fulfillment and achievement, by its very nature, it's got to be slightly stretchy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be tough. And I, I have no doubt that once we're through this, you know, we will be looking at each other, the people that we've worked closely with as we've got through this, um, with a sense of um, a sense of team and a sense of mutual respect because we've been through something tough together. Yes. Um, and that, that shared ordeal does go through it. And, and we'll be talking in 10, 20 years to people who didn't go through it. Of course, you know, we remember, and this person's really close to me now because we went through this together. We, yeah. you know, we do have, uh, if we go through and we organise ourselves so that we support each other through it, then we, uh, when we come out the other end, there is a much more, um, uh, I don't know, a, a sense of um, success and self-respect that yeah. you get uh, than it, if it was just easy. Um, yeah. and there wasn't a, uh, wasn't a challenge. And it's that sort of camaraderie as well, um, especially when you're looking at a sort of con- context of an, of an organization and the teams. And yeah, no, I love that. And I think that sort of, um, um, I always, I always um, as a liberating leadership practitioner, I, I talk about the, the high challenge, high support environments that we want to create for our people. So yes, it has to be stretching. It has to be challenging. Um, but equally as leaders, it's also about how we then support our people to cope, to cope with that sort of high levels of, of stress. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so at the moment, if we just kind of put it back into a sort of a COVID setting, I think what... What I've certainly experienced a lot over the last few months is really people sort of parking things and putting things off, you know, so this this natural tendency to become very short-sighted because we've got a crisis to deal with and, and a crisis right now. Um, but of course, recognizing that um, we've actually got to think longer term. So how do we balance that short term versus the long term? Yeah, I, th- I think there's... Um... Firstly, I think that you know, people over the last year, I've been saying to, to a number of people, please do think about the short term to get you through things. You know, you, if you're climbing a massive mountain. If you look at the top, it's going to scare the living daylights out of you. But if you look at the next step, that's fine. Yeah. So, you know, that, 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 does, that does help. But it's been interesting, um, I think, as we've gone through this. So I think there's a, there's a balance here of, you do need to think about the longer term and what it's going to be like when we come through. But um, I also think that we, we shouldn't make too many assumptions about what life's going to be like when we get, we get through it. It's been interesting that you know, within three or four months of, of uh, lockdown and, and the different ways of, of working, a number of people were saying, well, we can work from home now. Um, there's no point. We can close the office down. We can, um, uh, we can change the way we do things completely. Why do we need need all this and then six months down the line seven months down the line people are saying do you know what we're, we're, we are we're, we're, we're animals that are are group focused um and need that interaction with each other if we're never together then that's going to be quite damaging and and certainly i, I speak as somebody who thrives being in a group and, and, and so on and hate being on the yeah. own. but um the so i think we've realized now that there's going to be a balance and when we we come through this, there's going to be um, uh, some challenges around, you know, people saying, I need to get in because I need to see my stakeholders or I need to uh, be with my team 
or um, and I just need that social interaction. Of course, that's got to be managed and coordinated so that you're in the office at the same time as the people you need to see are in the office because it might be the day they're not. So we've got to think that through. But I, I also think that based on the experience of the last year, that um, we need to wait a little bit to see how we feel when we're out of this because we don't know what we don't know. We've never been through this before. And so we didn't know how we react when we went into lockdown. And we, we suddenly found out because of technology, we could operate. Uh, we now know that we probably need some sort of blend. But when we get through it in, you know, or being well, let's say by late summer, we're starting to make draw some conclusions about what the world's going to be like then. Um, it doesn't mean we shouldn't start thinking about the contingencies for them. So I know some of the organisations I'm, I'm working with at the moment are talking about you know, how much office space do we think we'll need? What, what does that mean uh, for costs? What does that mean for people? What does that mean for technology? What does that mean for um, our clients? What does it mean for, for, for all sorts? And we do need to anticipate. But I think that the word of caution for me, based on the experience, is anticipate and plan but remain nimble and on the balls of your feet because we don't sure how we're going to feel three months after the next phase comes in. That's such a wonderful insight. And uh, I just remember someone yesterday talking about, again, how this idea of a new normal is, is so wrong <laughs> because what, what is a new normal? I mean, it doesn't exist. And it's exactly what you've just said. There is no such thing because we just don't know what we don't know. And so I think that's that's stunning advice in terms of waiting to see how we feel. But it's that balance again, because we've got to do the leadership piece where we've got to have that um, the, that plan. There's contingency contingencies in place, but making sure that we do not become too restrictive and too directive in terms of how we believe it's going to be in six months, because we just don't know. Right. Yeah. And I think that the, the other piece from a leadership point of view is to make sure and i know that most organizations are doing this but um as you plan for the future is to be as inclusive as possible and not to make as the leadership team too many assumptions if we think about um and a number of your um of your viewers here marilise will be familiar with a number of psychometric instruments and personality profiling and, and so on um and and those that do will be aware that for some people um talking to them about the future will be um uh, the, the, there'll need to be an emphasis on some detail and some fact and where are we going to work and where am i going to sit and what kit am i going to use and if i'm coming in on a car where am i going to park my car and are you going to pay me anymore and then there'll be others who want to know how's it going to feel um you know are we going to be uh, a group that, that that collaborates more are we going to be more creative are we going to uh, be more nimble in how we do things. Um, and of course, you have to communicate with all of those and get the inf and their ideas in from everybody. Because as a leadership group, we tend to be, as lead leaders, um, more heavily weighted towards the logic, the fact, the, um, uh, the rationale behind things rather than the emotions and the, and the feeling. And the danger is we make some assumptions at the top which don't land when we talk to people who are more about how they feel and relationships and so on, which represents the, the larger proportion of the um, uh, of the population. So getting that 
making sure that your planning and your um, uh, your strategic planning for the future is as inclusive as possible, getting as much as you can from all levels and um, as many different views as possible will, will give you the better um, chance of, one, identifying a number of options, and secondly, when you have to make a decision, that you get the right decision. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And I love I love that, um, um, you know, idea that we've got to get out of our heads and into our yeah. feelings, into our hearts. Um, yeah. Tony Robbins, um, I've heard him say this before, is stay in your head and you're dead. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's so true because it is really about, at the end of the day, um, as leaders as well, I think knowing your people and having those personal conversations um, and really one-to-one type conversations to really understand what is the mood, what is going on, how are people feeling is absolutely crucial. And I'm hoping lots of leaders out there um, are, are doing that, are having these conversations, are being as inclusive as possible in making these very crucial decisions about what's the world going to look like going forwards. Yeah. And I think you you touched on it there. It's really important to uh to stress the the combination of having the group sessions, which are great in in, in a number of ways, um, but but are at the end of the day a two dimensional mosaic of a number of snapshots of people, often who are um, switch the camera off um, and may also be doing emails instead of really being engaged with, with the whole thing. Um, so you've got that balance of doing that, which is important, but also particularly as a leader, if you're not doing one to ones with 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 your whole team. You need to be doing one-to-ones um, and getting doing on, on a frequency that means that people can be open and honest with you yeah. um, and that you genuinely can have a, a conversation um, about the real them, what's going on behind the camera, um, which you would you pick up if you were in an office with them, you pick it up, um, you know, how their body language, how they how they respond to you, how they're, um, they're, they're connecting with the, the people around them. But on this, you just simply can't. Yes, it's so much harder and it's so much more important, therefore, to ask the, the right questions and to really um, use the communication um, uh, techniques, uh, the, the voice uh, as a co- compensator yeah. for, for that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think the um, uh, what's been interesting also, and I've seen a couple of articles recently um, about this, about trying to... because our world has become Zoom or Teams-oriented or whatever the, the system that is. I, I was introduced to Blue Jeans the other day. That was an interesting one. It's another system. Um, but uh, we are becoming um, very, very used to this. But the, the nature of this is that if you're on a, um, a group meeting on, on this and you're on them all the, all the day, they are draining. There's, Zoom takes energy out of you. It doesn't give you energy, yes. um, although we're trying our best to give some energy. But the, it, the uh, being in a room with everybody is very different because you do feed off the energy of everybody else. So it's um, you know we are exhausted on this. So people are now starting to get try and be creative with with using of, of, of this. So you know try if you can if you've got a laptop go and do it in a different room. Let's sit on the bench in the park and let's talk um, uh, from from. From then, let's have a meeting on an old phone. Exactly. Let's um, let's just drop a letter to each other or, or, or an email to each other. Whatever it is, try and break it up and do things 
um, differently rather than rather than this. But um, in the absence of being able to get face to face, the next best thing is a one to one, one of uh, what, 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 one of these, and on a routine basis, so that you can build it and, and without necessarily having a formal agenda, just to check in. How are you? Yes, um, I, yeah, I love that, and I think I, I did that with a with a friend last uh, last week um, on Friday. We had a catch up, and it was a Zoom catch up, and uh, um, she sent me a little message ten minutes before and say, "Shall we walk and talk?" Yeah. <laughs> and it was wonderful. We ended up. Uh, it was sunny. I was outside. I got some fresh air. And we had the same conversation, but it just was a completely different setting. Yeah. And I, I did felt in, feel energized after that. So I absolutely agree with that. And I, th- I think that's important right now. But going back to the uh, the, the, the article we, we mentioned right at the, at the beginning here, that even some of those methods and some of the things we're talking about now, Marilise, are ones that people, now the adrenaline's gone from that first phase, people are going, really? Yeah, we're going to try it now. Some people, that's great. Let's have a chat on that, and let's have a drink, and let's do all the bits of. But um, for others, it's oh, really. I am just, I'm, 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 I'm drained. I, I haven't, I haven't got this. Which is why I've got to balance this short term. Um, you know, give yourself routine, drive yourself now. This is where the stamina comes in, but also keep an eye on the um, uh, on the longer term, yes. and don't lose faith we're coming out of this yeah. so just hang in there because it is going to be okay that there's an interesting um story which I, we may have shared before already so i don't know um which you get from a, a, a book called good to great um which a number of people looking in here will, will have will have, have read by jim collins looking at organizations that have been uh, gone from being good to outstanding over time and there's a, a couple of things in there which very quickly, just to, to mention, one is the, um, the one that differentiates the, the, the outstanding companies from the others is a culture of discipline. So we've touched on that already. And that is, you know, structure, ways of doing things, not discipline with a big bash, but just, you know, routine. We do things the way we're supposed to do them again and again and again. But the other thing which which links to the whole for psychological stamina is a story about um, Admiral James Stockdale. Who was an American um, uh, admiral who was a uh, Vietnam Vietnam War prisoner of war, and he spent eight years or something in, in um, uh, incarcerated with the um, during the war. But he was um, credited with getting himself and a number of other people through that awful phase mm-hmm. successfully. And he talks about his philosophy on of, of that. How did you do it? And he said, "Well, you must." He said, you must never lose faith. And I haven't got the exact words here, but never lose faith in what you ultimately are looking to achieve, which is, in his case, to get home, to get out and to get home. Never lose. But you must also balance that with the ability to confront the brutal facts of your current reality. Yes. So don't pretend it isn't awful right now. But deal with that on a day-to-day basis and also be realistic about the time scale. So as long as you're short, um, short time, then you can add another bit, add another bit, add another bit. And he was asked, who didn't make it? He said, the ones who didn't make it are the ones that said we'd be home by Christmas because Christmas would come and go. And they say we'd be home by, by Easter. And Easter would come and go. And at the end, they died of a broken heart. 
Um, now, in our case, we've been given a roadmap. And interestingly, it's nice to say that's driven by data, not dates. So if it has to shift, it has to shift. Yes. But we've got some hope that, that because of the vaccine and now we can be realistic. But if you rewind back to last this time last year, you know, I'd rebook my tickets to the Country to Country Festival from March to October. And October, it was all going to be back to normal. Um, and it wasn't. Um, and we were going to have a normal Christmas. And we didn't. Um, and we're not even going to have a normal Easter. So we've got to be realistic about that. So it's balancing that short term, but never losing faith that it's going to be OK in the end. And we do now seem to see some light at, at, at the end of the tunnel. Um, without necessarily knowing exactly how far that tunnel is. I think every person watching and listening today needed to hear that, including me. So thank you so much, Craig, for sharing that. I love that. And I was also thinking about this amazing book by Viktor Frankl, um, Man's Search for Meaning. And it has the same principle you've just described mm -hmm. about the people who've actually survived Mm -hmm. um, those concentration camps um, were actually the ones who had that deep sense of meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. And it, it feels like, you know, the same sort of thing in terms of the do not lose sight of the of the end goal yeah. um, and, 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 and what you set out to achieve in the first place. So I absolutely love that. So, yeah. Craig, I'm very conscious that you're an ex-military man and you also mm -hmm. um, work with uh, professional athletes. Um, mm. What can we learn from them, you know, in terms of psychological and physical stamina? You know, what are sort of two or three things that we can take away? I mean, you've shared so much already, <laughs> mm. but specifically from military um, and sort of uh, um, sports. Uh, what, what could uh, we uh, learn? The bit for me and I, I talk here about um a high performance environment um is that for high performers to be at their very best mm -hmm. then typically they have to be surrounded by the very best so um i never played a massively high level of rugby but i played a, a reasonable level of rugby and, and i can honestly say that the that the highest level of rugby i played was the easiest to play because everybody around you knew their jobs And in the military, in, 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 um, in high-performing teams in the military, typically there's complete faith in everybody else being able to do their jobs. So you can get on with yours. Um, and in sport, uh, I remember I hired in one of my um, previous roles, I was a regional director, and I hired a guy coming out of professional cricket. It's an outstanding individual. Um, but the interesting thing was, from his world, he was um, a batsman. Okay, he was a batsman in cricket. And in order for him to go and bat, he had batting coach, a fielding coach, a head coach, strength and conditioning coach, psychologist, and a nutritionist. Six people to allow him to bat. Now, he came to join, join uh, this, this sort of ordinary organization. You know, where's my support? Well, let me just manage your expectations slightly. And I sometimes feel that people coming out of the military hit this, this problem. You will often see people who are who come out of the military who are present themselves great discipline, reliable, learn new skills, determined, competitive, great communicators, et cetera, et cetera. Fantastic. But their biggest challenge is then to translate that into a world where they're often surrounded by um, levels of mediocrity, where 
they're not getting that level of support. Now, that doesn't mean that those individuals can't raise the standards of the people around them. That can definitely be the case. But if you've got somebody who's on a podium in the Olympic Games, the only way they get there is to have the best possible support around them at all times. And sometimes we get that in um, in, a, in, a, in a business organisation. If you've got a, a you've got to be slightly careful because the high performers will have a purpose, and it might be quite a selfish purpose. Sometimes it's for everyone. Sometimes it's 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 a selfish purpose. Um, but so they're not necessarily going to bring everybody else up, but they may be able to do a specific um, a specific job. And you mustn't ignore everybody else as well. But you can't expect if you brought somebody in to do a specific job at the very highest level of performance, you need to make sure that they've got the best um, support around them. Otherwise, you just won't get that. That's wonderful. And I do think we can learn. I mean, corporates, um, I mean, how how often do we see that coaching and mentoring support for individuals? Yeah. I don't actually think there's enough. No. And, and it's, there's not enough. There's not enough for, because you often see that, you know, the highest performers typically are the ones who've got coaches. Yes. Yes. Um, the, the ones who probably need it the most, the ones that will, will probably avoid coaching or don't think that, that they need it. I think everyone will benefit from some form of third party feedback and support you can co-coach you can you can you can do that amongst your yourselves in, in in your groups as long as you're giving yourself honest um constructive feedback um but the ones who really want to perform are the ones that say give me feedback come on, come on how do i get better i once did a um a with um or a session with a performance coach um at uh, a strength and conditioning coach in a rugby a professional rugby club um, and I, I'll never forget going in before the season, in July time, whatever it was, just the season picking up. Um, I'm being greeted with the words, oh, Craig, great to see you. What have you got for me this year? What's going to give me the edge? Wow. So I'm already here. What am I going to be there? It doesn't always work. Interesting to see Rory, Rory McElroy's problems at the moment, trying to improve his swing. It's gone backwards. It hasn't gone forwards. Um, but the, um, the whole philosophy of people at the high level always wanting to get better um, rather than just being um, happy to make do. Um, so coaching is great for, for, for everyone um, at whatever level. It's always interesting to see who, who's craving it. Yeah, that's amazing. I Again, that's a wonderful insight. And uh, when you were talking there, I was thinking about uh, Roger Federer, which is ah, a massive yeah. Roger Federer fan, but mm. just thinking about how long he has actually performed at the highest levels. And I'm sure he has a an amazing, amazing support team around him, but he oh, is yeah, well, so, yeah. you know, I think one of the hardest, hardest workers. And it's it's performing at that level where you become so good that you can no longer really get it wrong anymore. Mm. Um, I, you know, and it's just fascinating to see how elite players like, like him, mm. you know, just operate at that sort of level. And how they bounce back as well, you know. So as you say, Rory figuring out his swing. I'm sure he'll be back, you know. <laughs> well, he's just appointed in the last 24 hours. I think he's just appointed himself a new coach. So oh, exactly. um, yeah, point point proven. <laughs> yeah. um, so Craig, I think that's a wonderful place to to finish this this interview. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, where can people find you if they want to get in touch? Um, well, firstly, thank you very much for um, uh, for, for having me and. and allowing me to talk about what I'm passionate about. Um, 
yes, if anyone wants to um, uh, to get in touch, then either um, find me on LinkedIn uh, or you can um, contact me at, at my email, which is uh, craig.preston at uh, P-E-P limited, P-E-P-L-T-D dot coach. Um, and I'll, um, um, I'll, I'll respond. Fantastic. And I will put all the details in the show notes anyway for everybody. Listen, this is a fantastic, fascinating discussion. And, you know, what, what's always the most inspiring to me is the passion that shines through when, when I speak to you. And I always go away with so many wonderful, wonderful insights. And, um, yeah, a couple of things you said today, which I'm definitely going to marinate on because I definitely needed, needed to hear that. So, yeah, once again, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, You're very welcome. It's been great fun. Good. So um, thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, Join us again next time for more essential insights on Bullyproof. And make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Join us again next time for more essential insights and practical tips on the Bullyproof podcast. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with Marilise on social media or via her website, www.marilise-de-billiers.com. Don't forget to review and rate this show on iTunes. Thanks for listening.